Welcome to Modern Marketing Messages, the leading podcast discussing the latest and greatest in both online and offline marketing tactics, strategies, and trends. I'm your host, Taylor Karg, marketing content writer at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to explore the importance of auditing your website's analytics. To do this, I have here with me Simon Mandel, digital strategist at AmericanEagle.com, and Charles Rowe, data and analytics strategist at AmericanEagle.com. Simon and Charles, do you guys want to introduce yourselves, including your professional experience, how long you've been at AmericanEagle.com, and what it is you do for us here? Morning, Taylor. Hi, my name is Charles Rowe. I'm a data and analytics strategist here with AmericanEagle.com. I've been with us for not quite a year. My background includes a fairly heavy finance background as well as going into analytics, specifically going into baseball analytics. Um, And in addition to that, I had a startup as a data management company. So understanding what's going on with the data and the data quality is my sweet spot. Baseball analytics. That's a new one. Very cool. So I'm Simon Mandel. I've been with American Eagle about two years now senior digital strategist, and I have a background of about 15 years in digital marketing, channel management, analytics, and SEO. Awesome. We got two data professionals here with us today. I've been looking forward to this episode for a few reasons. One, I think both of you are awesome. I've had really great conversations with you guys in the past. Two, I don't know much about data and analytics. Anytime I have something that I see data or math or numbers, I get really nervous, and that is why I'm a writer. So I think this one will be really fun for me and for you guys to teach me all about everything that you do. Well, Taylor, that is a common story that we hear. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people do a great job of collecting data and going out and getting it, but we commonly hear that they struggle with managing it, interpreting it, and governing it. So... Yeah, excited to have this conversation and get into it with you. Yeah, I think we're the bridge. We're here to try to help people who uh, do not enjoy numbers, who do not love numbers, uh, start to see some some value in there. Awesome. And I just want to let our listeners know that this episode is actually going to be part one of a two-part series. So be sure to check our page back in about two weeks for part two. So diving right into it, Let's get into the what, why, and how of data quality. So we like to think about this in terms of three different areas. And the first area that we're thinking about is compliance. And whether it is that you've got any data that is getting passed in such a way that you are outside of compliance. So that's going to be the first thing it is that we're checking. And then the second thing is the actual data quality itself. Are we feeling good about what it is that's going to your Google Analytics so that it's accurate, so that you can make accurate decisions? And the third thing is what is going on with the actual metrics themselves, and are you measuring the right things? Yeah, so three very important legs for data quality that we can create a platform that the data can stand on. So do you want to get into thing number one, compliance? Yeah, compliance. So what is compliance? Compliance is basically not violating privacy laws that exist here in the States or in Europe. Basically, respecting user privacy is the way to think about it. Charles, how would you go deeper on that? Yeah, so there are a a couple of different components that exist there. One of them is what's known as personal identifiable information, and that's a big one. You are able to collect that personal identifiable information on your CMS 
you yourselves are able to have it. What you do not want to do is have that data go out into a public sphere. And one of those public spheres can be how it is that you're tracking your website information, specifically on Google Analytics. And there are times where you might be collecting that data for reasons that you think are completely valid, but that data is actually winding up someplace that it's not allowed to be. So one of the questions, of course, is what is personal identifiable information known as PII? Yeah. Um, and it's anything that can identify somebody. So their phone number or their email address or their biometrics yeah. or their social security number, something where someone can say, okay, I can see this information and I know that it's connected to this actual person. And so that's the pretty major violation. And one of the things that makes a ton of sense when you're trying to audit your quality is to make sure that you're not violating those laws. And how do you know if you are? Like you guys obviously, can you think of a scenario where, can you just walk me through it a little bit? It's not an uncommon scenario where we get into analytic sets that exist where we'll find in the event tracking that exists okay. there. Yeah, that's probably what I was looking for was that event tracking thing. Just how do you know that you're not in compliance? There are tools that exist too, Taylor, that can pretty quickly track some of this information down. We've got access to those tools ourselves. And so that's how it is that we are able to identify that. And those tools are out there for other folks to be able to use, for them to be able to take a look at it as well. But as Simon was mentioning, to really dig in and find out exactly what's going on, you got to get into the code. Mm. Without the tools, someone should be able to go into their analytics and see what kind of data is being collected there. If you do see things like phone numbers or email addresses, things like Charles mentioned, social security numbers, these are things that should be scrubbed from the data collection. Got it. Okay. And so what else can we talk about with compliance? Are there other things that people can do? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one thing that comes into people's mind is going to be cookie compliance. Mm -hmm. um, and do I have to have those banners that are on my website? And that's going to be different between businesses. Some people need to have that and other people don't. And so the best direction it is that makes the most amount of sense is it's one to identify whether it is that you're doing that or not. So you do need to identify that first and foremost. And the second is, is your business going to be required to do so? And when we start to get into that type of situation, best advice is, is pretty straightforward. Go consult your legal team. Go consult your internal counsel or go and talk through this and figure out what it is that is necessary for your company and necessary for your website. Yep, 100%. So compliance is really about privacy and making sure that you are uh, respecting the, the user's information. Awesome. So the next part, thing number two, we will call it accuracy. Yeah, so are your data results reliable? We kind of mentioned this at the jump. Uh, data is not going to have a lot of actionable use if it is inaccurate or it can't be relied upon. So accuracy is the very important leg for an analytics audit. So the question, if we're thinking about Dr. Seuss, by the way, thing one, thing two, and <laughs> thing three, which is what it is that we'll also get to, the question is, when it comes time for me to use analytics and use numbers to guide decisions, how much money is that I want to put in my marketing budget? Where is it that I want that money to go, et cetera, et cetera? 
One of the things it is that you wanna know is what is it that's performing best? Well, if the data that you have is not accurate, you're looking at numbers that are gonna guide you in the completely wrong direction. Yeah. And so that's where it is that this really comes into play is how is it that I can best allocate my marketing resources? Mm -hmm. So with respect to accuracy, there are some things that an admin or a web manager can do or can look for in the data that might indicate that there is a problem with accuracy. One of those things, the most immediate thing that they could look at is their current site bounce rate. Okay. A bounce rate is something that's pretty ubiquitous in Google Analytics. And everybody usually has their own version of a question that sounds like, what is good for a bounce rate? And that'll be different for different industries and different categories. But what someone should look at in their bounce rate to determine if they're having an accuracy problem is actually a bounce rate that is very, very low. Someone goes into their own analytics data set and they see a bounce rate that's maybe 10% or lower. That should be signaled as a red flag. Okay. Likely what's going on there in that instance is that there might be a problem in the configuration of the tracking code where normally a user would only evoke one page hit upon mm -hmm. landing on the site. Now they're hitting it and they're firing it twice, which would mean the data is getting jumbled, reports and numbers are not accurately surfacing. So that would be the first touch point to look at that I would tell people to look at with respect to how they could find inaccuracies. I think Charles has another place that he likes to look at. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, first and foremost, where I'm going to go, I'm going to say, what is bounce rate? Um, I was going to ask let's talk about I didn't that. know where to squeeze I it in. I think probably a lot of people on, that are listening to this have got a pretty good idea, but let's go ahead and define that. Bounce rate is whenever it is that somebody comes to a page on your website and they do nothing else. Yeah. They don't go to another page. They don't click on anything. They don't listen to a video. They don't download a thing they do nothing but simply come to that page and then they turn around and yeah. they leave mm -hmm. so let's define it that way the next question it is to ask of course is am i double firing on data do i have my analytics tracking that's set up in such a way that it's not tracking these things accurately what do you but, mean by double firing ah I well i should define that as well shouldn't <laughs> i um it's you when are it is, our definition man this episode <laughs> I, I had no idea webster's and i were going to get along so well yeah. on this podcast so essentially what it is that it means is that the actions that take place when you go to a page rather than being counted once are counted twice. Oh, okay. And so and hey, that's bad, right? Double firing is bad. Yes. It, okay. When you're taking a look and saying, okay, I've got 500 page views, but in reality, you only have 250 Two, yeah. page okay. views. Mm -hmm. We do have a problem as far as being guided in the wrong direction. So the other major question that anyone is going to ask as far as can I trust my traffic is going to come back to spam. And so this is where it is that on the one end of things, you're looking at 10 to 20% bounce rates or less that are problematic. On the other end of the spectrum is going to be somebody who's got a bounce rate that's over 80%. And so the question from that is, do I have traffic that's coming into my site that's not a human being? That is making me think I've got better numbers than I actually yeah. do. And so there are a lot of different ways in order to be able to check um, spam traffic. One of those is just to check for spikes. Do I have some weird spikes in how the number of people that I think are coming to my site when in reality 
It might actually just be some kind of a robot that is coming and quickly leaving my website and not doing very much for me. Is there a sweet spot for a bounce rate? Like you said, you don't want to be, you know, under 10%. But then where where's the sweet spot in that? That's a great question. So when I get this question, I normally tell people that anything above 80% is bad. If you're getting a bounce rate that's north of 80%, where only two out of every 10 people stay and engage on your website, that's not good. That definitely shows room for improvement. Mm -hmm. Now, the middle range, somewhere in between, you know, 60 and 80%, that's good. Well, that's, that's okay. There's opportunity there. There's some intersection between your site and the users, but there's still room to grow. If you're getting a bounce rate that's in the 50 percentile or maybe high 40s, you're doing a really good job. But if it gets lower than that, if it starts to get into the 30s or lower, that is uh, potentially a cause for concern. Do you guys see like the good bounce rates frequently or is it typically more that needs work? No, we, I see a range and I see websites that have a consistent bounce rate for their audiences around 40%. And that's because they are focusing very closely on the content that they're publishing and ensuring that it intersects with the user's intent very closely. Also, they're likely giving good, clear calls to action Mm. and clear messaging at these points of entry. So people know where they are, they know what they're expected to do, and they know where to go next. Yeah, and I would add to that we see a very broad range that takes place. It really (laughs) depends on the intent of the site. It depends on the industry it is that you're in. Are they seeking information and are going to click through your site until they find it? Are they seeking lots of information and trying to find lots of different web pages to be able to make decisions, et cetera, et cetera? Are they they there simply to buy something? Yeah. So what your intent of your site is in the industry it is that you're in is, is going to be guiding factors in terms of judging whether what you have is going well or is not going well. Yeah. So to underscore it with accuracy... What we're talking about here, what can people look for to ensure that their data is accurate? Look for wild swings in the data. Look for large spikes that are unexplainable through marketing efforts and look for wild new plateaus to exist in the data where yesterday we saw the bounce rate was at 80% and then the next day we see it at 5% that's likely an indication that there's a misconfiguration in the in the data set. And ultimately, that's how you ensure accuracy. Look at the configuration of the analytics, ensure that it's configured correctly. Awesome. So moving on to thing three, conversion tracking. So what it is that we would say with that is we think of people who come to the website and how well it is that your website is performing in three different buckets, one of which is people actually coming to your site. Second is, are they engaging with it? Are they finding your site interesting so that they want to see more? And then the third is whatever the conversion is. Are they going to buy something or are they going to contact you? And so when you're thinking about acquisition and engagement, those are off-the-shelf things that come with Google Analytics. Yeah. So you don't have to do anything special to be able to set that up. Yeah. But with conversion tracking, you do have to do extra things in order to be able to track what it is that's going on. You need to set up events and goals, and you need to be able to figure out what your KPIs are, and then you need to set up measurements to be able to identify those measurements, those KPIs, 
to be able to then judge how well you get to that third point. So those, as we mentioned, are not off the shelf, and those are things that you need to have a strategy for and things that you then need to set up and create. Yeah, that's that's right. that's where you guys come in, right? Well, I mean, we we definitely help out with that. Yeah. But I think what Charles is saying there is that a little bit of science needs to be applied to the website to determine what are the user journey success points that we want to track as goals. What is the point on the site experience that we want to identify as success? And that's our conversion. So we have the saying that we say around here is like there's really only two reasons to have a website. Uh, The first one is to generate a positive revenue impact on the business, a.k.a. to make money. And the second reason to have a website doesn't Doesn't even... doesn't, doesn't even exist, really matter. Right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, so what are the things that a website does that has a positive revenue impact on the business objective, right? That's either e-commerce, they're selling products, somebody's pulling out a credit card and giving that credit card to the website so that they can get some kind of goods and services, or the website is there to act as a lead generator. The website is there so that people can raise their hand and ask the sales team to come and contact them about services. So this is the function of the website. And if it's not firing, if you're not capturing those events, you're not closing the loop on all of your analytics and your site tracking. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) So, And as Charles indicated, these are things that don't come on a clean install. You'll need to identify, are we selling products? Are we looking to capture information? We'll have to find those spots on the website and tag them with events and identify those events as our conversion goals. And then once we can have that set up in analytics, we're then empowered with being able to see these users that do convert more about their behavior, like where they're coming from, or what did they see or consume on site before they converted. And all of this can help admins and and website owners to really dial in what's most effective on their website and how to get the most out of it from their audience. I think it goes back to, you said this earlier, just defining what success means for your website, because it can mean so many different things, depending on the type of business or just any kind of message that you're trying to get across. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, they can easily come up with a very long list of things that they want users to do on their website. Oh, I want them to read my articles. I want them to see my products. I want them to uh, subscribe to my newsletter or I want them to click this phone number. And all of those are valid, but we need to prioritize these things and even potentially add value to each of these interactions so that we can ensure that a cascade of these touch points, we're really focusing on the most important ones. Yeah. So all of this talk of what a data quality audit is and everything that ensues with data quality, but how often should we do this? How often should we audit our analytics. Generally recommend that you do it every three to six months. Generally, you don't have a lot of things that are going to change within that period of time. And sometimes the second audit and third audit are just simply a quick, nothing's changed. Check that box. Do I have anything else to do? Nope, I'm in great shape. But what are some of the things that could happen in between those cycles that might evoke a need for something like this. Maybe new events are being created. Yeah, you could have new things that you want to be tracking on your site. You could have also in addition to that, you could have actual changes to your site that are affecting the data quality. We see that on a fairly consistent basis where somebody is, 
hey, I want to be able to add this page. I want to be able to add this functionality to the site. They do that. All of a sudden, something breaks and things are not tracking the way in which it was that they used to. I would say any large production environment changes might necessitate this. In most common instances, Google Analytics is supported by a script tag. And if that is in any way disrupted, that can affect the flow or the stream of analytics. So something to keep on top of anytime any major production development change happens. So can you tell me about some things that people can do to either go deeper on their audit or just about, you know, maintaining their data governance? Well, once you have gone through the exercise of an audit like this and someone feels like they are confident in the accuracy of their data, the next step that I would suggest is to look to package that data in in a way that's easy for them to communicate it out, to get it in front of decision makers. And our favorite best way to do that, and a lot of people like to use uh, dashboard tools. We use tools that are made by Google or Tableau, Microsoft. It's really your tool of choice, but figure out a way to get that data into a screen, into some visualization, some dashboard that helps people understand what's going on and ultimately helps them understand what they need to do. Um, That's what I would recommend, how to go deeper on the data. Charles, anything to add on that? No. (laughs) No, exactly what it is that Simon just said. First of all, can I trust my data? Second, how can I act off of it? And how can I make uh, my business better through it? Yeah, and I think, well, one other thing that did just come to mind is if you post this audit with accurate data and these visualizations, the next question that you might want to ask is, well, who does this data represent? And then there might be some exercise in identifying segments of traffic that help us understand more about what's going on there. Maybe we want to look at the data based off of the device that people are using. Maybe we want to look at the data based off of the channel that's driving them to the site. Once we are on that table of accurate, well-governed data, these are the kinds of things that we can do to explore and to help provide more insights. Are there any reports that people should avoid? You know, going through all of these tools and all these dashboards, are there any things that people should avoid looking at? No, I would not say that they should avoid. I think to flip that question on its head, a lot of people want to know where to start. And I would suggest start with the basics. Start with how many people showed up to my website. Start with what was the most common landing page, the most common point of entry. And start there and start to see, start to get comfortable with the idea of like, this is my volume of people. This is the numbers that I'm seeing around those particular metrics. And then see what kinds of questions those introduced. Oh, this was the landing page that they came in. Where did they go next? Or based on this landing page, did I get more form fills if they landed here or if they landed there? And if you can ask these questions, that should guide how you want to govern your data. Yeah, I think you can think of it in terms of paint by numbers. Okay. Um, Is there anything when you're painting that you leave out No, you're not looking to leave anything out, but you need this piece in order to be able to understand that piece to be able to connect to this piece over there. So one of the biggest things that Simon alluded to it is where do I start? Well, how is it that you eat the elephant? You eat it one small piece at a time. (laughs) So we start to try to identify 
The big pieces of information that are going to start to help you to understand generally what's going on to your website and hopefully do it in such a way where you ask more questions and you say, okay, this seems to be working, but I want this to work over here, which then leads to the next piece that you're going to want to paint into that picture. Oh, I can understand that a little bit better. And then you start to paint this number over here and all of a sudden you start to see the picture start to unfold and it starts to have life that's associated with it. And you can start to say, oh, I can make some decisions in order to be able to help my business do this. Thank you for putting it into terms I can understand as a (laughs) fellow creative. (laughs) We do our best, Taylor. We do our best. Well, I think that was all the time that we had for today. Simon, Charles, thank you both for joining us. I know I learned a lot about something that I truly had not a clue about. So thank you both for being here and teaching us. Thank you. Pleasure was all on this side. Absolutely. (laughs) Happy to be here. Love to be able to talk data and analytics. Thank you, guys. Until next time. And I just want to remind everyone that this is actually a two-part series. So be sure to check back on our page in about two weeks for part two titled The Risks and Rewards of Your Analytics. And if you're not sure where your analytics stand, let AmericanEagle.com help you. Our analytics team, Charles and Simon, are actually offering a paid audit where they will take a deep dive into your website's analytics, including an analysis of compliance issues, an evaluation of data quality, and much more. You can find the link to learn more information about the audit as well as fill out the form in this episode's show notes. Thanks again, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Modern Marketing Messages. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you like this episode, follow the podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. And while you're at it, give us a rating and share this podcast with others. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Modern Marketing Messages. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm Taylor Card, and I'll be back with another modern marketing message. <laughs>